Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. I'm not Rich Birch and... Every week, we bring you a leader who will inspire and equip you, and this week is no exception, so I bring you none other than Rich Birch. Hey, Rich. This is your well, podcast. Hey, thanks, Carrie. That's You're so welcome. Weird being, welcome to my own podcast. That's so funny. <laughs> nice. Uh, yes, I'm not Rich Birch. You can probably tell. It's Carrie Newhoff here. Coming over, and this is like a podcast takeover because sure. Ricardo Bercho, you just hit 1.5 million downloads. That yeah, that's is unbelievable. a monument. Yeah, I, I'm really excited by it. You know, I, not because you know so many people have listened, but not because I've you know because I'm so special, but because of our listeners. You know, the fact that listeners have stuck with this thing for all these years and continue to get value out of it and continue to share it and tell their friends, and so. Uh, yeah, super excited. I appreciate you taking some time out to kind of celebrate, uh, ultimately celebrate our listeners and the fact that they uh, they put us in their earbuds every week, which is amazing. <laughs> well, and you reminded me that I was your very first guest. Yeah, all those years ago. The all fall those years ago, back when we were in college. 2013. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, uh, yeah, we, you were the very first guest, and I was, you were like the biggest get I could get. I'm like, who no, is I was the, the only available person? guest? It was like, you tried everyone else, and you're like, well, Carrie will do it. Well, there was a little bit like, there was a little bit of like, your platform has exploded in these years. And, um, you know, like that was 2013 was kind of before Kerry Newhoff was Kerry Newhoff. Like you're, you were, you know, you were blogging at that point was I was a hobbyist, dude. It was, it was, it was my therapy. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And you hadn't started the podcast yet. And, um, and, and it's, and it was, uh, you were super gracious to have, it was you and Jenny Katrin, um, and so there's this kind of a collection of people that I just were like close to that people that were like actual friends that I could say, Hey, could you come? And so, yes, it was super excited to have you on talking about change, which is still super relevant all these years yeah. later. Uh, it's amazing. Change has slowed down and nothing's changing anymore. Rich, so <laughs> that's one thing that's changed in the world. Hey, yes, you got a giveaway for listeners, right? Cause this is, yeah, I, so- I want to, I want to pick your brain on some stuff and I'm interviewing you. We're flipping the mic, uh, but you, you got some giveaways. Tell us all about that. Yeah. So what I want listeners to do is to stay tuned until the very end. So this week we are celebrating you, uh, dear listeners. We're so honored that you uh, to listen to us. And we, you know, here at Unseminary, we want to encourage you and do everything we can. We always want to be in your corner cheering for you. And so we actually, we reached out to some friends uh, who, uh, who are kind of have a common heart to want to serve church leaders like you. And so you want to stay tuned to the very end in true kind of podcast fashion. We're going to tell you, our listeners, about these giveaways first so that you'll because they're limited so uh, we want you to kind of get first punch at them and so we're going to tell you about them first and then we're going to actually start releasing them tomorrow uh so listen to the very end and you'll get a chance to hear about those so you can get ready and and jump in on the on the special giveaways yeah and they're cool things so you do want to listen to the end but i remember rich i didn't i didn't set you up for this but i remember you and i were talking around the time that you we're launching this podcast. And I think you told me, was it bi-weekly or weekly at the very beginning? It was weekly, right? Weekly. Yeah, we started yeah. weekly right from the beginning. I just remember thinking at the time, because that was like around, remember Entrepreneur on Fire? 
Remember Dude, that? On my notes, I wrote down John Lee Dumas. I uh-huh. was thinking about I was mm-hmm. thinking about what you know when I got started, and I used to listen to him, Entrepreneur on Fire, and he did it seven. Well, I think he still does seven days a week. I know. And you were we were talking and you're like, yeah, I think I can't do it daily, but do it weekly. And I think I'll keep it short and snappy and do a rapid fire round. I'm going to do it weekly. And I just remember thinking, holy cow, like, how are how are you ever going to do a weekly podcast? Like, you know, you have a job and a family and kids. And I just had so much respect for that. And then, you know, we had no idea what podcasting would become. <laughs> what? Right. You know, now I do six amazing. a month. Actually, I have two shows. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, now I'm doing this one too. I'm your guest host. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, and it's actually John Lee, John Lee Dumas. I heard him. This was before he started all his like Podcasters Paradise and all this. Right. I heard him on I was a member another show. Oh, you were? Very uh-huh, cool. I, I never did. Paid the I, money. I took all his free content and never paid for anything. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, but I never, I never jumped in. But the, um, the I heard him on another podcast, and and someone was really grilling him on. Uh, Tell me about the how do you do these seven days a week? And he said something that captured my attention. He said, you know what what I've done is not. I don't actually. I don't have a podcast. I have a system for releasing podcasts, which captured my imagination. I'm like, oh, that's really what I need to do. So many podcasts start. I don't know what the statistics are, and they they fail after six episodes. And so, mm-hmm. right from the beginning, I was like, okay, I need to build this thing in such a way uh, that will ensure that we can release one a week. Uh, and so here we are. <laughs> All these years later, still releasing uh, usually more, actually more than one a week now. Um, but yeah, that's, it's amazing that, that, that was, um, yeah, that was super f- um, foundational, inspirational, the idea that, oh, okay. Yeah. And he, and listen to how he d- did his interviews and they were super structured in the beginning. Mine were more structured. I did that lightning round thing similar to his show. Um, but yeah, that, that's how it all got started. It's so funny. Isn't that isn't that funny? I, I remember that so clearly. It's almost like one of those. I remember where I was standing when you told me you were going to do it weekly, and I'm like, "What?" Uh, <laughs> but here you are. You've you've kept it up, and you're totally totally right. You know, like you, I get invited to a lot of podcasts, and people want to have you on the kickoff episode. And what I've learned over time is, when you have ten in the can, get back to me, and we'll have a yes. conversation. Because otherwise, you just become the kickoff episode, and they're done after three because there's no system, and you are the systems guy. So well, I got to ask you, Rich, why did you start this? Like, it's become a thing. It's a real, you know, as, as Pat Flynn would say, it's not about riches, but the riches are in the niches. Like, you have a very loyal, committed audience. You have a very focused audience. Um, what made you do this to to begin with? Well, I genuinely love church leaders. Like, I, um, I'm a church leadership wonk. I, I will, like, I'm the guy who's, when we used to have conferences, remember that used to be a thing. I do. Um, you know, I would love to sit and yeah, sure, listen to the, the speakers and all that. But I would, I would find as much, you know, excitement about turning in my seat beside me and saying like, "Hey, tell me about your church," and and you know, would love to learn from, um, you know, the people sitting in the seats with us. And that goes way back. Like I remember when I was in school, going to Willow Creek and going to a Willow Creek conference, and um, and literally, I walked away with notes from other people in the auditorium. Uh, and so from the beginning, there really was this. Um, drive to say there, there's something about calling people up and saying, Hey, can you give me 15 minutes, 20 minutes to tell me what's going on at your church? A lot of church leaders will say yes to that, but even more will say yes. If you say, Hey, I'm recording for a podcast. Uh, and so it gave me this excuse to always be talking to church leaders. And so, and that's still the case. Like I am just so fascinated by, 
um, what church leaders do, who they are, how they, what they're doing in their churches, how they're helping people, all of that. And so it really was an excuse early on and has continued to be that to try to talk to church leaders on a regular basis, to learn from them and hopefully provide some encouragement and, and to tell leaders, like I, I do a lot of consulting and coaching, which I did before I started the podcast, but I've continued to do that. Part of that um, role I have found is actually just encouraging church leaders. It's actually just telling them you're doing a great job. And so one of the interesting things about the podcast is having leaders on. It gives me a chance to do that, but in a public forum to say, wow, that's really cool that you do this at your church. That's a, that's a, it's a way to highlight, to spotlight things that are going on in, in the church. Yeah, it is. It is fun. And, you you know, if you know Rich and a lot of your listeners do, they've had a chance to interact with you. One of the things I love about hanging out is you don't hesitate to talk shop, which I love, right? It's like, <laughs> so sure, let's sure. that. Let's talk about it. What do you yeah, see? Let's talk about it. Like that exactly. is, that is a lot of fun. I mean, you know how to relax and have fun too, but like you really, you, you, you know, you slice Rich open and, and that's a hundred percent true. So, um, what has changed? You have some leaders who are still thinking about launching a podcast. I'm sure you have that conversation a lot and they're like, Rich, what are the top tips? What are, what are some launch things that you learned along the way? Oh, that's a good question. So I do find myself um, being trying to be super encouraging when people ask about a podcast, like, oh, you know, what what do you think? Should you do it? I, I don't lead with the like, do you know that like chances are you're not going to get beyond six episodes? Like, I don't yeah. I don't lead with that. Good I lead with you. the like, you should do it. Like, I think I, yeah. I really do think it's a great medium. I think it's a great way to connect with people. I'm um, I'm like fiercely uh, love to support independent creators and independent, you know, thought leaders and all that. And so I, I want to encourage people to do that. Now, if people keep pushing me on it, I will say, listen, I, I did a hundred episodes and this is true. It took me a hundred episodes, almost two years before I figured out what the show was about. Like mm. it, I, you know, it was called on seminary uh, stuff, you know, you wish they taught in seminary, which is like so broad. Um, but it, it it really took me a long time to kind of narrow down to like, oh, these are the kind of people that I should be talking to. And this is the kind of conversations I should be having. This is what I should be focusing on. Um, and so I, I do say to, you know, people that want to start is like, there's a little bit of like, buckle up. I say that thing about the system thing, buckle up, get in, get on board and just start doing it and you'll figure it out eventually. And the first ones will be terrible. Like, the, you know, I forget who was it that said that, but it's like, you know, the you, first you have to be crappy before you can be good. Like that—that mm-hmm. that is just true. You've got it. There's time in the seat, getting to know people, talking. Now that wasn't really the case with you. You started with Andy Stanley out of the gates, and it exploded. Uh, but that's not normal. Like the normal podcast growth rate is like, yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna start, and you're gonna know all your listeners. You're gonna look at your report, and it's gonna say you got 16 downloads, and you know you've got and you've got 15 people in your family, and you're wondering who the other one person is. That's how it starts. Like that is just yeah. where it is. Um, but you've got to put time in over an extended period of time, have a point of view, um, and but be flexible in those early days to, you know, to say like, hey, I, it kind of, it takes a while to figure out what is the, you know, what is this thing? What are we doing here? No, you're, you're totally right about that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned and evolved in my style, even though the format is similar, I've gone longer. Uh, I still consider myself a student of interviewing and I'm always trying new techniques. I'm always trying to like get the story behind the story without being sensationalist, but just like, like a conversation like this, I find way more interesting than all the sound bites that you can hear on any other podcast, right? That to me is very interesting. It's the backstory behind it. What, what have you learned? Cause you've interviewed, how many episodes now, Rich, have you got? 
Oh, so because uh, iTunes only puts on... up three hundred, right? Or my yeah, case, so two seventy-five. So a lot of those are lost. They're just yeah. So we're coming up on five hundred. So like I, I think so. this is yeah. yeah. It's somewhere. It's somewhere in that range. So it's like uh, yeah, we're right on the door of five hundred, five ninety something. Wow. So yeah, what have I learned from all, yeah, over yeah. What, that? What, what, what's changed? What have you learned about the art of podcasting? And then I want to get into some lessons from guests, like some top insights. Sure. So I would say. Um, I don't ever, so my show, I'm trying to dig out practical insights. Like I always think the biggest compliment that I'm trying to go for is like, I'll hear someone say, you know, I had to pull the car over and take notes about what the the guest was saying. That's like, that's the best thing for me. Like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And so in that environment, it's never, it's not really about the surprise um, question. It's not about trying to um, be smarter than my guest. It's, it's about actually trying to have a pre conversation and pre kind of email dialogue and all of that. Beth, who is my assistant that works on the podcast, which we would have not got here if it wasn't for her. Um, you know, she does a really good job on, and we have a bit of a system around that to ensure that the guests know exactly what we're going to talk about before we get on, which I, which I find puts people at ease. You'd be amazed in this, you know, in this market, like um, lots of people who we have on on this podcast, they talk for a living, right? They're pastors, they, they're leaders, they have a microphone in their day job, but it can feel unsettling to them because it's a different kind of format. And it's not necessarily the thing that they're normally talking about. And so making sure they're relaxed, making sure they know exactly where we're going, um, trying to be super gracious, uh, trying to, you know, re- I, I try in the pre-conversation to have at least some kind of um, opportunity to laugh and to put them at ease and be like, Hey, this is going to be fun. Like you're just, you know, this is what we're, we're trying to do here. So yeah, I think that's, that's a few things um, that kind of stick out in the, on the, I, I feel, I always feel like, uh, like you said, Carrie, I feel like I have to get better at interviewing. It's even 500 episodes in it's like, man, I, I, there's so much to learn there. Like there's so much to, to figure out, okay, how, how do I do that? Well, and so I don't feel like that's done yet. I still have to I, about once a year, I'm like, well, I need to get better at that, you know, and, and buckle down on what do I need to change and improve? What makes you a better interviewer in your, in your mind? Like, how would you say, oh yeah, I don't do that anymore. Or I'm really working on this. So I, I well, first of all, I think overall the it's, it's an innate curiosity, um, you know, you interest in the guest, it's about featuring them. It's not about, um, trying to, uh, impress them. It's not about trying to um, draw connections. Like sometimes I hear interviewers who they're they try are constantly trying to draw a connection between them and their guest. Like, well, I also did that, or I also, you know, that I, that I find distracting. Like on my show, Rich, yeah, I do that too. That's a pet peeve of mine too. And sometimes I catch myself doing it. Ugh. Yeah. And, and so do I like, and part of that is just normal human conversation. Cause you're in conversation, you're talking about something and then you're like, Oh, I relate to that. Um, but it, it, it can sometimes get in the way of the guest, And so we want to feature them. I think there's a part of, so yeah, I think those, that those would be a few things to try to, you know, m- that are make a good interviewer. The one thing I would think I have to work on more is continue to work on guest um, selection and finding like we, so the kind of insider secret on who we try to interview, we're trying to find particularly executive pastors of fast growing churches. Now mm. those are, um, those are places to find that information publicly, you know, churches who generally are out there talking about their size and how fast they're growing. They're usually leaders within those organizations that don't mind talking about that, mm-hmm. but they're, 
there are, I have found some of our most fascinating guests are ones that are off those lists that aren't necessarily out there pushing that. And I just hear something through conversation from someone else. And so I feel like, oh, there's probably more we could do to mine up guests, to find people out there who are a bit off the beaten path. To you, what you, something you said earlier reminded me, like I, so, you know, you do a podcast long enough, you get enough downloads. Eventually the publishers figure that out. And like yeah. every week you could have a different, you know, you could have, you could have a seven day a week podcast just on book releases. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty resistant to that. I actually don't have a lot of authors and I have, uh, when they, when the publishers come to me, I, I pretty standard what I say back to them. Like, no, I, I'm not going to have an, uh, an author unless they're a pastor in a church today serving those people I'll talk to. Um, and that does actually cut out a lot of them, which is kind of surprising, but, um, but all that to being said, I think finding new guests, I feel like mm, there's probably something more we could do on that front. Hmm. Yeah, I hear I hear you because the book interview and and I'm I'm sharing this in in light of um this is something that I've learned and if people are interested. Yeah. The book interview I find is Absolutely. not that interesting unless it's a really interesting book. I want the story behind the book. Yes. I want Well, and you're you're incredible at that. Like you're the, the, there are the times where so I ju- I just had John and Dave Ferguson on we just interviewed them for yeah. upcoming and they have a book they have a book coming out and it was a great interview I felt actually really good about it partly because I respect those guys deeply they're they're incredible and they um they clearly weren't just selling their like they didn't have their eight bullet points that they were trying to get across but sometimes you get that idea that like oh this is this is a per- they just have their thing like they just are trying to sell this this these ideas as opposed to actually wanting to have a genuine conversation. And I think you're really good at that. I, you know, multiple times where I'll see like, Oh, this person's clearly on the tour, but Carrie's in, in interviews are usually longer and have way more insight. Like you say, are kind of digging out the story behind the story. Well, and it's interesting because you think about what a lot of, of folks do even in their churches, right? Like it's very common to interview someone on a Sunday, whether you're interviewing a missionary or a couple in your church or someone who just got baptized and it's easy to miss the story. What mm. What is the interesting part of the story for you? You mentioned practical. Anything else that's like, oh, yeah, when we get to talk about this all day long, I'm in. Yeah, so I, I love hearing... Um so kind of it's a subset of the idea of practical. I love hearing the stories of when churches tried something new, particularly like it was like, Hey, we were going to, you know, we'd never done this before. And we tried this thing and like, it didn't go well, or it did go well. This is what we learned. And then we modified it and we tried it again. And um, so I love that rather than the like, Oh, we've been doing this for 15 years and it just keeps working. Um, that isn't as interesting. And I don't think is, is as applicable to my audience because people are listening because they're looking for something new to do at their church, right? They're, 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 they're thinking like, Hmm, maybe I could change something. So I, I like to reinforce, uh, particularly when church leaders have tried something new that that they maybe learned from somewhere else and were um, you know happy to apply that. So I, I love hearing those kind of ideas. I also love, um, frankly, I love hearing from um, leaders that are, and this probably has been more like in the last year and a half. I've we've tried to continue to try to expand beyond just the kind of my tribe, the people that I would normally hang out with. And so um, the interesting thing is we've done that. So whether that's, you know, slightly different theological backgrounds or, you know, just different, you know, cultural backgrounds, that sort of thing. It's amazing how there are still some commonalities. Like you still see like, oh, like these things do seem to be universal. These do seem to be um, kind of common best practices that we keep seeing uh, time and again. So those would be a few things. 
So I was going to say you started as a hobbyist, but in some ways, this still isn't your full day job, right? Like it takes up right. a meaningful percentage of your life, but you've, you've still got something else you do full time. Yes. Uh, if you were starting over again, what would you do differently? If you were going to like start Unseminary from scratch, what, what, or the podcast, the blog, all the stuff yeah. that you do, the live events, the courses, what, what would you do differently today, if anything? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think if I was starting today and I was starting over, um, I think I would, I would niche down earlier, niche down even more. Like I think, um, and, and probably be clearer, like Unseminary is a great brand name. I, I really like it. it. It's fun. It's, it's, um, it does, uh, it, it's like, it's got good currency to it. Um, but uh, it is in some ways it's too broad. So I still have to kind of re-articulate lots what we're trying to do. And so, um, you know, I think if I was restarting today, it would be something like, you know, the, 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 you know, the X, the growing XP podcast or, you know, something like that. That was maybe a, a different angle on title. Yeah. A little different angle on title. And then, and then maybe just, um, you know, early on, again, I interviewed lots of different people, particularly in those first couple of years, uh, you know, be a little clearer externally with people who it is that we're, we're kind of targeting the, t- the kinds of listeners we're trying to find the, the kinds of, um, you know, people we're hoping the tribe we're hoping to gather to us. And so I think you have to do that now. I think that's some, mm. some ways is, is what's happened with podcasts. It's it just exploded as a medium. And so there's so many out there that you've got to find, Oh, like, okay, this is, you've got to be super clear. People have to be very clear to see this is who, um, you know, this is who we are. Like when I remember the first week I had, we did the first, very first episode, we had a thousand downloads, which at the time I didn't know whether that was good or bad. I was like, I don't know if that's good good or bad. Yeah. And now I realize having talked to a lot of friends who started podcasts, like I, I made that joke earlier about, you know, 16 listeners, it's not that far off. Like there's a lot of people with, you know, what I, I look at is like big platforms and, you know, a lot of time after energy behind them and they're like, they're year in and they're, you know, 300 people an episode kind of thing. And that's fine. Like that's, that's good. That's, that's, I'm not saying that from a disparaging point of view. Um, but we, it was, but that's just because podcasting was so different back then it was. And I felt even at the time <laughs> that I was late to the game, like even in 2013, it felt like, oh, the podcasting's done. Like it, it is a, like, it's such an old medium at that point, which, you know, little did we know that everything that it's like, when should you buy you know. Bitcoin or should you, right? <laughs> it's like, yes. Yes. That's it's a good exactly example. that. And I'm like, I haven't touched it to be honest. And now I'm like, well, I thought it was expensive then, but Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's so true. Uh, no, it's so funny because I was talking to Lominick recently about this mm-hmm. Brad Lominick who started his own podcast. But when they started Catalyst, like it was it was a wide open field. And they were like number 40 of all shows on iTunes, period, on Apple Podcasts yes. back in yes. 03, 04, 05, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yes. And, and uh, the field. So I think one of the things that sets you apart, and you've done this really well, I've always admired it in you. I have a sense that you have a really close bond with your audience. Like you are in a niche audience. Um, but, you know, the other day, yesterday, I think actually the day before we recorded this, I got a Bongiorno for you. It's like, hey, Carrie, I shot this video. I recognize the church lobby, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shot <laughs> yes. it in. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is so classic rich. Like you do that. What are some things? Because we're all nurturing audiences now, whether that's your congregation, whether that's whatever you're doing. What are some things that you have done that have built a tight bond between you and your audience? Well, this is, I've tried to pattern this, frankly, after something I've seen you do, which is, 
I try to be as personal as I possibly can in all my communications as, you know, you know, I try to communicate in a way that is like, oh, he's sending this to me. Um, I still have a graphical email that I send out Fridays, but outside of that, I'm trying to be as kind of helpful as possible. I'll, I'll often say like our motto at on seminary is always helping church leaders. And I repeat that to myself because I always want to ask the question. And even if we're, you know, if we're selling a product or doing a conference or something where I'm, I'm asking, you know, the people who follow this thing to give us money, even in that, I want to say, am I still helping? Am I providing more value than I'm asking for in in return. And so so I think there's a like a heart posture thing. How do I how do I be as personal at scale as possible? Um, which is which is increasingly easy to do, frankly, like Bonjuro or you know, email or you know, social media. You know, if people reach out and um you know, send me an email. I try to respond quickly and we try to do everything we can to, you know, to be helpful um in those engagements. Um you know, and that's and that has continued. I would say as we've over the years, as I figured out, like, oh, there's kind of various kind of different strata of listeners, and so I do these cohorts, which are, it's a bit of the blessing of of um, of COVID. We started doing um, remote group coaching cohorts and which I always said, I saw Jenny Catron do that for years. And I used to always joke with her. I'm like, there's no way I could ever do that. And uh, we started doing them and actually, I love it. And it's, it is, it's that, it's that ability to, now that's uh, 12 or 13 in a cohort at a time. Um, but it's a chance to be personal with 12 or 13 people. You know, you, the thing that struck me after doing now three of those, I'm like, you know, if I do this every year, that's nearly 50 church, you know, XPs every year that I get a chance to have a pretty close relationship with. Like we're talking every other week, we're engaging. And that obviously there's a great feedback loop there because I'm learning from them, which then is ultimately helping, you know, me help other people and all that. So that's a bunch of things. I think there's a hard attitude. There's a trying to write and speak in such a way that it's going to individuals, trying to be responsive, trying to listen, um, you know, all those things together, I think help, help that. I've heard you say this numerous times and I see you embody it, but it's like to scale, you have to do things that don't scale. And I think, you know, coaching a cohort doesn't scale, just doesn't, right? right? right. Um, right. You can only do 10 at a time, 13 at a time. Uh, and the same with some of those Bonjoro videos mm-hmm. and, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Any other things you do that don't scale, that feel very personal, that have helped you scale? Yeah, that's a good question. So we've tried to... Uh, so at a very ma- macro level, and I'm a little hesitant saying this because if I get a lot of emails, it's going to be hard to do. But I've I've tried to uh, when people email me questions, I will actually it's me actually responding back to them, and typically I'm responding back with like you know here's a here's an episode or here's a um, you know here's a you know here's a, a podcast or here's a blog post I wrote. We started doing three or four years ago, or maybe. Yeah, about that long ago, three or four years ago, we started doing um, PDF versions of all of our podcasts or all of our, um, not of our podcasts, of our blog posts. And the reason why we were doing that was actually for this exact reason. We just post them. We don't make you get your email or anything. They're just there. But I started doing that so that when someone asked me a question, I would just literally go to my website, download the PDF and attach that to the email and say, hey, here's an attached PDF that might actually... 
um, you know, be helpful for that. Now at scale, like I don't, we've just built it into a system. So we have a graphic designer that does all that. Any individual week, I don't know how many times those have been used, but the one person who emails me about something I talked about three years ago, rather than just sending them, here's a link to, you know, a blog post I wrote on that. It feels a little more like, oh, wow, like this person went out of their way. They, they put together Mm -hmm. this thing. Um, so that, you know, that would be a a few things. And then, you know, we, I still, you know, folks that have either bought my products or have, or been in a cohort or have been, um, you know, I've done coaching with that sort of thing. Anybody that has had some sort of financial relationship with us, you know, I'll go out of my way to do whatever I can to help them. Like if it, you know, if, if they're, if they've stuck with something, you know, I want to, you know, lean in, um, because I, you know, I value that that's they've, they have raised their hand in a different way than just the general audience. So that'd be a few things. Well, and I think you really helped me see that when we worked together at our church, you know, I was in the lead pastor, you were in the ops role and I, I benefited so much from, you know, I was kind of the egalitarian treat everybody exactly the same way. And you're like, no, this guy gave you, you know, Thirty thousand dollars, or you know, a significant donation. You better return his call personally, and sure. it, it helped me. I call it now just playing favorites. And when you look at it, it's such a. It sounds terrible. It sounds unChristian. It's actually deeply Christian. You can find it in the Old Testament, the New Testament. You know, not everybody has the same level level of investment in your platform. And I, I see you really embodying that that well in a, in a way that's instructed me. Okay. Rapid fire round. We're going to go back. (laughs) Sure, sure, Uh, sure. You've interviewed 500 great leaders, common traits. Mm -hmm. What are are some of the the ninja Mm -hmm. characteristics that you see? Well, I think uh, for executive pastors particularly, there's there's this interesting um, universal trait of... Um, ones that seem to be excelling is they, they are the interesting kind of Venn diagram of people who care deeply for the mission and who care deeply about how the mission gets done. And so there's like this, this interesting, you can't just be the person that's all like tactic, 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 tactic. They have to be driven by what is the mission of the church. They have to, they're the kind of people that have to like well up with tears at the baptism videos. They, they can't just be the like, oh, we're going to make sure this is the best baptism service ever. They have to be both of those. Um, and so, you know, you, you scratch the surface behind any of these leaders. And although they are a lot of times talking about tactics, it's driven so much out of this passion piece for what they believe God's called their church to do. Frankly, a lot of executive pastors are, you know, second or third career people. They're people who have come in from something else. Um, you know, they're they're oftentimes in that, um, you know, that kind of uh, they made maybe made their made money doing something else, or they figured you know life out in some other way, and then now they're like they want to go from success to significance, right? There's like, hey, I want to actually do something besides shell, sell sugar water, and so I, I think that you know that's a huge piece of it. That that's kind of that that connection of just not just. Um, all tactic, but r- a real warm heart for what is it that God's called their church to do? Hmm. No, that's uh, ah, that's so good, man. I'm going to turn this into my show. Okay, it's going to go three sure. hours, but I won't. <laughs> that's fine. Just get a couple fine. more questions. Uh, no shows you shows you listen to what what uh, podcasts have caught your eye. Oh, well, so there's the Carrie Newhoff podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a good question. Right. You know, I, I feel like I go through seasons. I don't know. And I think this is probably like, 
like a lot of people, right? Where it's like for a season, you listen to somebody mm-hmm. for a while and then you, you kind of, it's not that you stop downloading them, but then you, you know, you kind of take a break for a while and then you come back at it. I love um, the folks over at Wondery. This is a business podcast. They have a thing called Business Wars. Oh yeah, which is a, I've dipped into that is, one. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's seasonal based. So they're like doing right one, one right now on SpaceX versus Origin. It's all our Blue Origin. It's always two companies against each other, which is fascinating. I actually really like, um, so I, uh, I'm i a full focus planner user and they came out a year ago with the focus on this podcast and it's on Monday. I love the host there. It's And I, I partly I'm fascinated by that podcast because it's literally just them talking about a planner. Like it's, it's, <laughs> that they it's sell. not, yeah that they sell like it is it is it's commercial like they are unabashedly we're going to try to get you to buy more of these but they do it with such elegance and such kind of it's i think they're genuine like they actually are trying to help people and so so there's i i initially started listening to it because i was kind of sucked in by the wow this is an amazing kind of form to sell their stuff, but, um, it actually is great. And they're, you know, like 70 some odd episodes in, and then I'm a big Disney fan. And so there's a bunch of Disney podcasts. I listen to WD, WD radio, and there's a kind of this escapism DVC shows, you know, welcome home podcast, a couple of those that are again, not all the time, but kind of pop in and out, um, you know, on those, I went through a true crime phase where I listened to all kinds of true crime podcasts. <laughs> it's like, uh, it seems to, you know, come and go. I don't actually, ironically, don't listen to a lot of interview shows, um, which is, is kind of interesting. I, you know, I don't, I, I, again, I have in the past, but I've it just in the current season, I'm, I'm just listening to less of those. Got it. Um, leaders outside the church you're following. Oh, good question. So, hmm. I would say outside of the church, I continue to be um, intrigued by the the things that are happening over at, um, you know, with Elon Musk and his kind of collection of businesses. I think that's fascinating. For years, I've been, these are all like pretty standard answers, but for years, I've been um, super impressed with uh, the system side of me has been super impressed with Jeff Bezos. And he, he tells this story of, and he's been saying this for years, you know, he, he would, he, this is like 15 years ago. He said, you know, what we know 10 years from now is people will want uh, products cheaper and they'll want them faster. And so we're going to invest over the long haul to have uh, less expensive products delivered faster. And you can see over the years, that is exactly what they've done, right? It is, wow. you know, they've increased the pace and, and they, you know, he's unabashedly pushed back against the quarterly earnings kind of thing for years. They didn't post a profit and he just kept saying to wall street, yeah, forget it. We're reinvesting. Now that's shifted recently over the last couple of years, but um, you know, they, you know, his, his commitment to the long haul, I think is, amazing when there's so many leaders out there that are, are and in the church world, this is true too, that are really just thinking now, what do we do? What What's next week's tactic? And so I, I find him fascinating. So over the years, I find myself keep coming back to reading books about, uh, about Jeff Bezos and kind of the Amazon culture. They also have a real scrappy startup story that mm-hmm. they've continued to, to um, I know there's all kinds of critiques of, of Bezos and Amazon, but they continue to really hold that spirit of like, Hey, how do we, um, how do we keep the the idea of you know we are a startup? They they have this whole thing where they talk about day one that they're still on day one, um, that you know they're they're I'm still trying to figure it all out, which I think is super inspiring when you think about how big their company is, two hundred fifty thousand employees uh, around the world. It's amazing. You're one of the most most future oriented leaders I know. So put you on the spot. Three predictions about the future church. Look ahead to 2024, 2025, a couple years in the future. 
What are we all doing the same? What are we doing differently? Take your pick. Mm. That's a great question. Uh, appreciate the compliment. Uh, um, so I think on the digital church side, I think Church Online continues to, even post-2020, it continues to ask the question, but but we really haven't found the answer yet. I still think, and so this is, it's an answer I've been giving for a while. I still think church online or digital ministry did the digital side of what we will do um, is going to look more like actually what your platform or like the if gathering. I always point to Jenny Allen and what she's done. I actually think that's a better model than what most churches are doing. This idea of like, we do some some live stuff, we do podcasts, we do groups, we do dis, um, we do kind of groups on just build your own groups. We do conferences. Um, it's this kind of, um, uh, yeah, really a, a whole bunch of different ways to kind of pull the ministry together. I think that's a better model for, hmm. for church online and digital. It's, it's more resident to digital to on the online space than what most of our churches are doing. We're still forcing people to think about events, right? We're still forcing people to think, come to an event, which the internet isn't that it's not, it's, it's, um, it's something different than that. And so I really appreciate what if, if gathering has done. Um, and I think we could look more like that. And talk um, about tribe. I mean, those folks are loyal. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And connected. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and yeah, so I, I think there's something there. I think we should be patterning more after, and there's a bunch of them. I just think she's kind of the, uh, you know, she's kind of the gold standard. If if gathering, from my perspective, is kind of the gold standard on that stuff. They, they, they do an amazing job. I think there'll be an acceleration of mergers. I think... Yeah. Um, this is a trend we saw, we've seen accelerate in 2020 and then here in 2021. I think that will continue. I think that's being driven by, um, so th- which I think this is connected to the internet. There was a time b- before the kind of wide pervasive, um, kind of the fact we were all digital before every church was digital and doing lots of stuff online, you could kind of be the Willow Creek light in our town. And when you went across North America, there was like the Willow Creeks of all of these communities. And they were all like their pastors all looked like Bill Hybels. They all did dramas. They all, you know, they, it, we all kind of had a similar feel, but then now that becomes less and less relevant. Now that, you know, you can go to Hillsong. Like I, I, we, my wife and I went to Hillsong's Christmas Spectacular. We didn't go to Australia. We just watched it online this year. They right. have like this, it's other Christmas service. It's like this other thing that they do. And, and it was amazing. I'm like, this is incredible. This is like the best Christmas thing that I saw anybody do. Um, that's, that's going to, I think, drive the ability the availability of that kind of content, I think is going to drive more mergers where you'll start saying like all of these churches, why are we not just all getting them all to be together? You know, I think, I think there's that, there's also a thing on the merger side around retiring pastors. I think that we we have not solved the leadership problem in the church. And one way to do that could be to merge churches together rather than, you know, then to try to say, hey, how do we find more, you know, successive, you know, or, or to make the succession thing, you know, it's just a different way to do succession, really. So I think mergers, if I was going to pick a third one, I think, um, and you've seen this at the Kerry Newhoff International Leadership, you know, Ministry Incorporated, that the, um, <laughs> the, the, I think we'll see more, uh, more outsourcing, more, global teams, more the definition of what is the team. So there used to be really solid lines on you're either on staff at the church or you're not on staff at the church. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see that change. I think five years from now, 
Um, even just in this year, I, I did some kind of weird coaching stuff where it was like, I was sitting in on their leadership team meetings. Like I was, yep. I'm an outsider who's being hired for a particular thing. Like even this on seminary, like our graphic designer lives in the Philippines. Um, our editor is, uh, down South Beth, our project manager, she lives in New Jersey. I'm in, uh, Canada, y- you know, that, uh, and it feels very natural. Like there's no part of that, that is weird to do. Um, and I think particularly coming out of last year and being, you know, people have figured out how to do remote work and all that, that's just going to accelerate and and make opportunities, frankly, for super specialized people. So rather than saying like, Hey, why don't we hire someone to do a two-year contract on groups and help us improve our groups over the next two years? And they'll do most of a remote. They might be here three or four times during the year. I think we're going to see more of that kind of thing in the, in the coming and we're seeing that in the in the marketplace already, but I think that kind of thing is going to invade the church, going to be a part of the church for sure. No, I couldn't agree more. Like there's seven or eight of us I would call staff, even though we're all independent contractors, but I'm like their main thing. And then there's a cluster of like four or five others, like Toby, who's produced every podcast, Chris Lemma, who does our web design. Uh, and I have a handful of other people that are just kind of our regular go-tos, whether that's video editing or that kind of thing. And they have other clients as well. But yeah, I, I can see. And you know what's beautiful about that is it helps you with the talent war because you and I, who are recording this 15 minutes from each other in our house, like we don't always have the local talent available an hour north of Toronto, hour and a half north of Toronto, right? right. And so it, it gives right. you access to the globe. And I think when churches start to think that way, and it's interesting, you know, trend two market consolidation, couldn't agree more too, because what what made you unique was, oh, we're in this community and we're doing what they did in Chicago or Atlanta or LA or whatever. But now it's like, no, I can just go to LA. And so now, now what are you? And so that that's a totally different spin. It's, it's sorry, I'm riffing. Yeah. It's fascinating. No, 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 no. It's good. I, yeah. And I, I totally think that they're, so we've all, we've seen this, that our people live, typically our people live a more global lives than our church leaders do. You know, the, there's a lot of church leaders think, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but we think super local, but our people, like my, my father-in-law back in the nineties was on a global team with, you know, the company he worked with. He had, you know, he had partners all over the world. This is not a totally. new thing. Um, um, but what's happening is that's accelerating, right? And, and then, frankly, the tools are getting better. It's easier to do at scale, um, and it's and it's more efficient. And I think actually, there's an interesting kind of theological spin on that, where it actually. So there's a lot of church leaders who are working in churches who that we're getting maybe 20%. They do 20% of what they do. They do really, really well. 80% of it is actually not that great. And so we, we employ them because that 20% is great. And then we give them 80% of other things to do. What if there was a way for that person to do that 20% thing for three churches? And man, the, the church as a whole would be like the whole global church, the big C church would be way better off. It's almost like Paul said, let the teachers teach, let the leaders lead, let the, you know, let the evangelists be evangelists. Like it almost sounds like a biblical idea. Well, and you know, you're so right. This is why I love our conversations, because you have to get so big as a church, you have to be in the top 1% to be able to afford that kind of specialization. Like if you're like, we're going to hire you full time at a living wage to do digital media, like you have to be a church of like 1500, 2000 to be able to afford that, which excludes 99% of all churches in North America around the world. Yeah, I was literally just today was talking to a church, very large church, name brand church, a lot of people will be aware of it, who, and it offhanded, just offhand, the, the leader I was talking to talked about their analytics team. 
And so we, we were talking about other stuff and I looped back and I said, Hey, can we, you haven't, can you tell me about your analytics team? What does that team do? And they're like, yeah, we have some da- data scientists on our team who literally they are tasked by different departments to just study the numbers of everything that happens at our church so that we can get better. I'm, and so there's regular stuff they do. And then they do projects all the time. I'm like, that's incredible. Like, and again, this, this is in the top, like zero. That's a handful of churches, churches, right? Who can afford that. Very few churches can do that. Right. But that's a skill that, and you've been saying this for a long time on the church online front. That's a skill we all need. Everyone needs to know, okay, what, what is our sermons? How are they performing analytically? We all should be studying that. We all should be looking at, I remember 10 years ago, um, was at again, another, a very large church and it was a Monday morning and we were walking through and the lead pastor name brand church won't name who it was. Then, uh, we, it was one of these things where I was there visiting and I wasn't there visiting the lead pastor, but we popped our head in to say hi to the lead pastor. And this was like Monday morning at 10 AM and the lead pastor is standing in front of a, a screen. This is 10 years ago, standing in front of the screen with a, how their blog, what their blog post had done that week, what was happening on, you know, Facebook, what was their most popular, you know, video, all that kind of stuff. Thinking about that, they were talking that through. Um, but man, all of our churches have to figure out how to do that. We have to figure out that level of concern. That's different than the church you and I, st- you know, started working on, you know, 12, 13 years ago, right? We weren't thinking that we weren't asking that question, but we all have to be asking those questions now. The only way that kind of specialization is going to happen in most churches is if you think about it as either a service that you acquire, or you think of it as a, you know, a, a part-time person or a one day a week person, something like that. There's And there's lots of examples like that uh, in the church. We should be thinking a little differently about staffing. So you need to get people to interview you more on your podcast. This is fascinating, <laughs> man. Fascinating. Right? Jerry, I appreciate it. It's you're a good friend and I appreciate, you know, for folks that know you, uh, like, like, again, I always, you know, I've made that joke in front of you and behind your back. I knew Kerry Newhoff before he was Kerry Newhoff, but you're, you've been such an encouragement over the year to me, uh, to this podcast, to us doing what we do here. And so I, uh, you know, I just really appreciate that. Thank a fan you fan and a friend for being here today. Really am. And you're, you're giving stuff away. So all yes. the people who listen to the end, both of you yes. who had to endure, yes. perhaps, is this the longest episode in seminary <laughs> history? Did I? No, did we've I done it? some that are close to this, but this is, this will be up there. We're pushing. So this is the deal. So tomorrow so, we mm-hmm. are releasing two very special giveaways again to celebrate you. So the one is if you follow us on any of our social, so Instagram, Facebook, that sort of thing, we're doing a Starbucks giveaway. Now this is crazy. We're doing one of those um, scan things where you can take it up and, and actually it just charges to our account, but we've got three partners, chemistry, staffing, aero leadership, and fruitful design, all great people who've put $1,250 up for this first Starbucks Whoa. this week, which is incredible. That's, That's a, a lot, lot of Starbucks. Of Starbucks. Um, so don't get, don't buy like bags of coffee with it. You're just supposed to get, you know, a coffee. <laughs> don't do, don't cater the staff lunch. I've had somebody do that once on my platform. Oh, gosh. No, 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 yeah, guys. Please, please don't do that. So, go. so, so thankful for them. Yeah. Get a latte, maybe one for your wife and then go. That's fine. Or your spouse. That's, that's totally fine. And then the other one, which is super cool is our friends at CDF Capital and Red Letter, uh, and Red Letter Challenge have, uh, put together this really cool backpack. So we've actually, it's actually a, you know, the champion backpacks. They're like mm-hmm. really nice backpack with a sleeve and all that stuff. We're giving away 70 of those, wow. uh, limited edition. Again, watch your email you're, for that. You have to fill out, you know, your email address and all that stuff, your name and all that. So we can send it to you. But the first 70 people that sign up for that, we're going to literally mail it to your house and they're sweet backpacks. These are not like cheap backpacks. They're, they're really, really good. So super excited about that. Uh, so those are the two giveaways. Again, those go up live tomorrow. So we're letting you 
you know today as listeners, because we're so appreciative that you stayed until the end. Again, we're celebrating you this week, dear listeners. Turn those notifications on, Rich Birch. Yes. That's right. You want to win. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, the only exactly. way to do it sometimes right all the starbucks it's like it was it was empty in two minutes it's like well yes exactly you exactly yeah to be there <laughs> rich great. anything else you want to leave your listeners today and leaders just thanks so much for what you're doing we know this is a tough season but i'm just grateful for rich uh man the way he's poured into me as a leader the way he's poured into all of you i'm, I'm just so grateful anything you want to say to your crew before we sign off well, I'm just deeply thankful. You know, I, uh, I've joked that I would do this if no one was listening, but that's just not true. Uh, we're trying to do this because we are trying to help leaders. And like you said, Carrie, I'm just humbled by your service. The fact that every week you choose to serve in your community, to reach out to people, to do the hard work that you do every week is, is inspiring to me. And so if, if this is a shot of encouragement for you, if it's a shot of inspiration, if it gives you some things to think about, uh, we're just honored that you would, you would listen in. So, so thanks so much to you listeners. Again, we're celebrating you this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.